0: Hello, anyone and everyone. Welcome to Have You Heard About This Case. My name is Sam. And my name is Kelly. Today we'll be talking about a case that's a little bit more well covered than some of the others that we've done. But this one has definitely always stuck with me. I'm basically the same age as the victim. Um, And the more I learned about her, the more I feel like her and I would have been friends. But before we really dive into this, Kelly, what's your question today? Okay,
1: so my question today is, what is currently your favorite podcast to listen to? Oh,
0: oh, that's a hard one. I have a rotation that I listen to. Right, right. And I'm very lucky at work, I am able to listen to podcasts for a majority of my day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. so there's some days where I'm listening for eight hours and then I come home and do my research for my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I'd say a lot of times I'm listening to Morbid. They're mm-hmm. definitely one of my favorites. They're great. Um, they're, I feel like we're friends and I've never met them and
1: <laughs> someday they're so, maybe. Someday. They're so great. They're, And um, Elena's book we you lent it to me. Oh, it, it was, was so good. good. It was so good. I cannot wait for her next one. I know. I'm, I'm very excited, and I'm also happy for her that it got picked up for a TV deal.
0: Yeah, from um, the people who did the fifth scream. That's Radio that's, Silence. That's it makes so me insane. really excited because I loved that. Yeah. What about you? What's one of your favorites?
1: So. Right now, I would say for true crime, it's, I agree with you, morbid, but if I had to say one that wasn't true crime, I'm also listening to a podcast called Funny Cause It's True by Elise Myers, and some of you guys might know her or have seen her on the internet. Uh, She does a lot of different stuff, and this is sort of her... First foray into a podcast. And it's really good. It's just really relatable. And she does some fun interviews uh, with some fun people. Mostly about things that were not funny at the time. But over time now, looking back, are very funny.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that. Mm Because it kind of makes you calm down in those situations when you think about it. Yeah, it reframes... Some levity to it.
1: Yeah, it reframes like the total horrible humiliation you felt before and now you're thinking of it like,
0: that's pretty funny. (laughs) Alright, well today we'll be discussing the case of Cassie Jo Stoddart. And Kelly, have you ever heard about this one?
1: Okay, so the name
0: is familiar to me, but
1: whatever I believe, I'm sure I've listened to it as a true crime podcast episode, so I would love to be re-enlightened by you. I don't remember as much as I'd like. And I'd like to, you know, hear, hear yourselves about it.
0: Well, this one is, is a bit of a crazy one. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into a little bit more later about it. But the reason that Cassie was murdered is actually part of a pretty controversial conversation in the past. I think a lot of things are mm-hmm. changing. The conversation and the narrative is changing. And we'll definitely get more into it later but i think it's a very interesting conversation. Cassie was born on December 21st, 1989 in Pocatello, Idaho.
1: So she is right around our age.
0: Sorry. I'm I'm just shy of a month older than her. I was born in late November of 89. Yeah. So really we we were very 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 close in age.
1: Yeah, you really were sorry to interrupt but that was when i heard that date i know your birthday and i was like wow sam's right yeah sorry just
0: just about three weeks after i was born she was born Mm -hmm. um and i read that when she was younger that she was raised by her grandparents i'm not entirely sure why but Mm -hmm. i do believe at the time of her death she was living with her mom and her mom's boyfriend So it does seem like whatever caused her to be raised by her parents, whether it was financial or Mm -hmm. some sort of rift in the family, that things have been resolved for her to be able to live with her mom. That's what it sounds like. She was described as being very artistic and loving music. Um, And again, this is another big reason that this has stuck with me, because that is the same sort of description that I would have gotten at her age Mm -hmm. and Cassie was house sitting for her aunt and uncle when she was murdered her aunt, uncle and cousins were away on a weekend vacation in September 2006 so Cassie was 16 and she was just shortly before turning 17 oh that's terrible yeah, she was. She was young, That's so young. And on September 22nd, Cassie had invited her boyfriend Matt Beckham over for the evening. Her mom dropped the two of them off at her aunt and uncle's house around 5:30 p.m. And Cassie's mom wasn't a big fan of Matt. They had been dating for just about five months, and her mom believed that Matt was a bit too argumentative. She said that there were a couple instances throughout their relationship where he was even arguing with Cassie's mom. Wow.
1: Five months dating and you're already arguing with her mother. That is... I would write like that.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the arguments were about, but it just really rubbed her the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But obviously she still allowed Cassie to date her. And she was driving them over to aunt and uncle's house to hang out. So it wasn't bad enough to prevent them from seeing each other and discouraging them from seeing each other. Yeah. So Cassie and Matt just had a relaxing night in, enjoying some alone time. Then around 8.20 p.m., two of Matt's friends arrive at the house. Tori Adamcheck and Brian Draper. Tori and Brian were under the impression that this would potentially be a house party. And mm. Cassie wasn't terribly happy about this. Mm. But uh, Tori and Matt, uh, excuse me, but Tori and Brian were Matt's friends. So she just decided to tolerate them being over and mm. still wanted to keep it to just be the four of them. She did not want a party. Mm hmm. She took them on a tour of the house and they started to mess with some exercise equipment in the basement, which just bothered Cassie. She thought this was immature. This wasn't her house. This wasn't their house. Oh, yes. It's her aunt and uncle's home. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And she took responsibility that it was, yeah. she was there to house it, take care of the pets. Right. And make sure when they came home, everything was the same. Yeah. Not. Destroyed their exercise equipment. <laughs> exactly, and they were—they weren't destroying anything or like in that way. They just were messing with it, playing mm-hmm. around. But it, she just didn't even want the risk to yeah. happen. Yeah. Eventually, they all went back upstairs and they started to watch *Kill Bill* two, which I have to say, fantastic choice. Good movie. Good
1: movie. I'm, my glad <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it
0: because I was like, good choice. Good choice yes i i love kill bill <laughs> one kill bill two and at that age i was oh, watching yeah. them all the time actually i was like, oh. right in the that like 16 17 yes. year old time yeah. frame yeah definitely uh both tori and brian were getting a little bored because they had already seen kill bill 2 so they both and they both were pretty into movies um, mm-hmm. and so they're, they they decided they actually wanted to go to the movie theater to see a movie. Mm-hmm. So around nine forty five p m they left to try to catch a late showing. Okay. And it's just leaving Cassie and Matt home alone again.: So Cassie and Matt decided just to curl up, continue the movie, hang out on the couch, and after about half an hour, the lights went out, and they heard a noise in the basement.: Oh no. The dogs started to bark, and they were actually at the top of the basement door, and the lights started to flicker on and off. Oh. This obviously freaked out Cassie and Matt. Matt called his mom because he was trying to see if it was okay that he stayed the night there with Cassie. He didn't want her to be alone. That makes sense. But ma- But his mom, understandably, said no. Because they're two teenagers. Right, yeah. Alone in the house. They are young. Like, yeah. But once she she did feel bad for Cassie, she didn't want Cassie to have to be alone. So she actually offered to take Cassie home with them so that she can spend the night there under her supervision. But... By this time, the lights had come back on, and Cassie really felt obligated because she had promised her aunt and uncle that she'd house it and take care of the pets. They had a couple dogs and a couple cats. Mm-hmm. So she declined the offer. Makes sense. Like, if
1: you if you made that commitment already and you're like, well, the lights are back on, I, I need to honor my, my commitment here.
0: Exactly. And she wanted to show that she was responsible, especially in a situation where it's like you're being turned down because of your young teenagers for having them stay over. Well, she needs to stand up and and do what she said she was going to do. Yeah. So Matt's mom came to pick him up around 1120 p.m. And as they left, Matt called Tori to see what he was up to. Tori was really quiet and whispering, so he assumed that they were still in the movie theater. And so okay. Matt and his mom just went home for the night. Okay.
1: I get it. Makes
0: sense. Yeah. And like, personally, I would never answer the phone in the movies, yes. but I know people who have. Oh, yeah. I've been with friends who have, and I've gotten frustrated with them. Yeah. Um. So that's definitely not out of the question. Then, a couple days later, on September 24th, Cassie's family arrived home from their vacation, and unfortunately, it was her 13-year-old cousin who had found her body. No. She was found in the living room, and she was stabbed 31 times. (gasps) The medical examiner determined that 12 of her wounds would have been fatal.
1: Oh, my God. 12? It was...
0: Very brutal.
1: 31, 31 is so many. And then to have 12 of those be
0: fatal strokes. Oh, my God. Somebody was angry. Was, exactly. Um, And it was very clear that Cassie tried to defend herself. Oh. So much so that one of her pinkies was nearly fully severed from being in a defensive position. Oh. Cassie. There are a couple things that investigators immediately noticed around the scene. First, there were some bloody footprints that led from where her body was found in front of the couch in the living room, going out to the garage, into the gravel driveway, and disappearing into the grass. They noticed that there were a few breakers in the basement that were flipped off. And they found a condom wrapper in the bathroom. After speaking with what? Cassie's the mom, lights, e- exactly it's having the breakers be flipped off, um, yes, kind of it makes sense with what they were experiencing. Yeah. After speaking with Cassie's mom and finding out that Cassie was dating Matt, and that they were alone in the house, the police immediately wanted to bring him in for an interview. <laughs> He told investigators that they invited, that he invited a couple of his friends over, but that they had left pretty quickly. He explained the bizarre occurrences with the noises in the basement and the lights going out. And then when the police asked him about the condom wrapper, he said that he and Cassie did have consensual sex that evening. Okay. And the medical examiner was also able to determine that there was some sort of sexual activity. But he was unable to determine whether it was consensual or not.
1: I really hope he's telling the truth.
0: He also explained his mom came to pick him up. And that she offered to have Cassie spend the night with them. And he told investigators that after his mom picked him up and they went home, that he actually ended up staying up late with his dad watching a movie. Which his dad corroborated. all right. During the interview, they also determined that when his mom came to pick him up, she stayed in the car and that she never entered the house. Okay. Even though Matt was saying, even though everything that Matt was saying was backed up by his parents, he still was a suspect because there was still the potential that he could have killed Cassie, cleaned it up, and when his mom arrived, ran out to the car as if Nothing had happened.
1: Well, yeah, because that's a, a, I remember thinking about the time jump earlier, like, from when they arrived at the house to when his mom picked him up, and it wasn't until 11, and I was like, wow, that's quite a, quite a considerable amount of time he was there.
0: Yeah, well, there was about an hour and a half from when Tori and Brian left at 945 mm-hmm. to being picked up. At 11.15, 11. 11. was kind of the okay. range that they gave for that. So, okay. that's a good amount of time. Yeah, it is. So, the medical examiner did determine that the murder likely happened between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Okay, okay, so... So, that does also potentially narrow that window down smaller for Matt, mm-hmm. but again, it's not impossible. It doesn't eliminate him. Yeah, but it's it's the time frame isn't perfect so exactly yeah. they don't feel very confident Matt being the suspect mm-hmm. but there were those things His mo- t- Cassie's mom wasn't a big fan of him because he was argumentative mm-hmm. what if something got out of hand like they, they just don't know that mm-hmm. but they, there's no reason to rule him out and there's no reason to put pressure on him and really name him as a suspect Yeah. Matt said that the next day he was hanging out with Tori. He tried calling Cassie many times and he was concerned that she wasn't answering. He even asked Tori to drive him out to her aunt and uncle's home on the other side of town to check on her. But Tori said he couldn't because he was low on gas and couldn't afford to put more gas in his tank. So they ended up just hanging out. And going to Tori's place where Matt ended up spending the night. So he had a pretty solid alibi for the most part, other than those short windows we already mentioned, where he was just constantly with people that helped. Right. Get. right. The police did notice that Matt wasn't terribly emotional during this interview. And you would think your girlfriend was, was just okay. murdered. Basically. Oh, you would show some emotion. Right. Um, and they asked him flat out, why, why are you okay, not good. Good. showing good. this? And his response was a little bizarre. He said that he had been through a lot of death before. He, he has had aunts and uncles pass away, quite a few different family members. Okay. Um, and he's just said that he's been through a lot of funerals. He's been through death. That he just, he, he was not sitting there crying in front of them. Which... Everyone responds differently right? So that's not something that I feel like we can really judge him for. But it was just something that no, noise. and
1: I've met people in my
0: in my days who
1: rea- who have reacted that way, especially people who've experienced um, the trauma of losing a parent or losing someone close to you. That it's that what the individual who I know is just a little more guarded in the emotion regarding death, and I think that could be a lot like. If I'm emotional over this death,
0: then I have to open the box back up and think about all this other ones. Exactly. So, since they just couldn't rule him out as a suspect and they didn't have any additional evidence that he was actually the murderer, they decided to move on to interviewing Tori and Brian, since they were also Mm -hmm. there that night. They told investigators that they arrived a little after 8 p.m., which matches Mm -hmm. Matt's statement. And that they left a little after 9.30 p.m., which, again, matches Matt's Mm -hmm. statement. They went to go catch a movie in the theater, and they said that they chose to leave the house because they thought it was going to be a party. But when it was just the four of them, they started to get bored. Okay. Which, again, matches the exact statement Matt Mm put forward. Brian said he ran into a friend at the theater, and they ended up chit-chatting a little bit before the movie, kind of like a typical evening. And after the movie, they went back to Tori's house. And Tori's curfew was actually 11 p.m., but they ended up getting home around midnight, which upset his mom. So he had to sit there and apologize to his mom and kind of explain, though. yeah, the movie went late. Sorry. We were just at the yeah. movies. <laughs> like, we, I think we've all kind of been there as teenagers before.
1: Yeah. Past curfew. You're already out. And you're like, well, <laughs> it's already too late, but we're just going to have to own it at this point.
0: Exactly. So the investigators did get a sense that Tori had a crush on oh. Cassie. But, you know, they're teenagers. They're teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they also noticed that Brian was really nervous t- during his interview. But again, his friend was just right, murdered. Right. And these are high school yeah. kids. No one knows how to, re- to react. Yeah. So I
1: know. If I got called in front of any investigator now at my um, age, I would be nervous i would be super nervous let exactly. alone doing it at like 17 16 like that must
0: be scary just gonna down to there
1: exactly mm-hmm.
0: but it, it goes to the same thing that they they wanted to take notes on matt they wanted to take notes on everyone that mm-hmm. they brought in and kind of reviewed their physical reactions in addition to their verbal mm-hmm. reactions yeah good. good smart smart things to do Unfortunately, at this point, the investigators didn't really know where to look next. They, they had no concrete evidence right. of anything whatsoever. Okay, so there's like nothing at the scene, but those footprints.
1: Okay, that's mm-hmm. a bummer.
0: Yeah, I didn't see any evidence of fingerprints or anything that could point directly to the murder weapons mm-hmm. themselves. They weren't at the okay. scene. Yeah, yeah. So, so they just really were kind of at a standstill. And so they just started interviewing more students and Cassie's friends. And one of her friends, she was actually the same friend who Brian said that he ran into at the movie theater. She said something kind of surprising to investigators. She never talked to Brian that night. Oh. She never saw him at the theater. She never, never saw him. Did. And she also said that she never saw him. Oh. She also said that both Brian and Tori loved horror movies to the point where it was kind of scary. Oh. She also said Tori loved knives and had a knife collection. And occasionally he would mimic stabbing people at school. Oof. She also confirmed that Tori had a big crush on Cassie.
1: Oh, boy. This does not look good for either of these
0: dudes. This is... No. And so it just it truly blew investigators' minds. Yeah, yeah. Because
1: who do you look into
0: first? Both these
1: fellas. Are...
0: Exactly. That
1: sounded great.
0: Well, they bring Brian in first because he said that he had seen this girl at the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When clearly he didn't. That's the only lie that they've officially been able... They, it's the only lie that they'll have the ability to check at this point. Right. Everything else lines up. Everything else makes sense. Right. Except for this one thing. Right. And so what they decide to do... Instead of confronting him, saying they know he's lying, and that he never saw her, they ask him about the plot of the movie. Smart. Genius. He initially tried to come up with some very basic, kind of nothing plot, but he really stumbled on his words, Mm. and he was unable to come up with any sort of consistent story. So at this point, investigators, again, are observing... The physical reactions, and they could see that he's getting very upset. Mm -hmm. So they ask him again, "What were you doing that night?" Because we know you weren't at the movies. This is when his story changed. He told investigators that he lied because him and Tori were actually breaking into cars that night, and he was worried that if he were to tell the truth, that they would get in trouble for it. He said that they were walking down the streets of different neighborhoods, just trying car doors until one opened, and the they would just go in and see what they could steal and then eventually just head back to Tori's for the night Uh, that that rings false yes and investigators thought that that felt weird as well like the story kind of makes sense it sounds like a dumb idea that high school kids could come up Uh with yeah yeah but they tried to push Brian further (laughs) They wanted, they wanted more information. Mm-hmm. And he finally ended up saying that Tori had pushed him to commit a crime. Mm. Said he didn't want to join him. But if he didn't, Tori would kill him. And this is finally when the real story starts to come out. He told investigators that after the two of them left to supposedly go to the movies, they instead parked down the road. And snuck back into Cassie's family's house. Mm. And earlier, while Cassie was giving them a tour of the house, they noticed that there was an exterior door in the basement that they unlocked themselves without Cassie seeing. Oh my gosh. So they, okay. Okay. They knew
1: knew what they were doing.
0: Yeah. Well, Brian said that they were just going to go in to scare her. Mm -hmm. That was the initial plan that Brian's talking Mm. about. They, and it was, they knew that Matt was also there. They wanted to just go in, scare the two of them. They started flipping the breakers, turning the lights on and off, and making noises in the basement. Their goal was just to just get them both down there so that they could, they could scare them and just kind of goof off right. with it. But then they heard that Matt was calling his mom, and they could hear that she was on her way to pick him up, and they really didn't want to be caught by his mom, so they turned the lights back on and just laid low until he was gone. Unknowingly, Matt then called Tori oh, yeah. to see what he was up to. Yeah. <gasps> he was whispering because he was hiding in the basement. Oh, my. He wasn't at the movie theater. And unfortunately, this now also gave him the confirmation that Cassie was alone upstairs. No. Oh, my God. That's crazy. It's it like this case. This is awful. That's crazy. I hate this case, but it is... A very interesting topic of discussion, and you'll see why as we get a little further into this. Yeah, yeah. This case, the moment I heard it, I've never forgotten Cassie's name. I I've remember all of the details from the first time I heard this case. When it, This is when Tori and Brian then chose to go upstairs. They had the confirmation that she was truly alone. Brian said that it was Tori's idea to, quote-unquote, scare Cassie. Instead. They stabbed her 31 times. But before even returning to the house, they changed their clothes, they put on masks, and they grabbed knives. Wow. After they killed Cassie, they went back to Tori's house. They did get there at midnight, and they did have to apologize to Tori's mom since his curfew was 11 p.m. All of that was true. But then around... 1 30 AM after Tori's mom had gone to bed, they snuck back out and went to an area called Black Rock Canyon, which was a little bit outside of town. They brought a shovel and some booze. They dug a hole and they used the booze to burn the clothing that they wore while murdering their friend and their masks and their knives. Oh my Investigators had Brian take them to where they burned everything. Since they used alcohol as an accelerant, it doesn't burn at a terribly high temperature. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it burns well, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty low temperature in comparison to something like gasoline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of this, they were actually able to recover a lot of the burn pot. Good. One thing they found that Brian hadn't previously mentioned was a videotape. No one knew what to expect when they watched the tape. Mm-hmm. It started off at school. Then Cassie was by her locker, they were talking, and later it was Brian and Tori talking about how Cassie was going to die. What? Looks like they even filmed it in a school library, or maybe like a resource center or something like that. Oh my god. At one point they said that if you're watching this video, they're dead. Oh. As if the only way you would ever find out who murdered Cassie is if they died themselves. Yeah. Further into the video, it's them driving around in the rain at night talking about how perfect it is that Cassie will be alone in a big house. Oh my God. They said that they were horny thinking about it. Yeah. Okay, so... They started to compare themselves. No, yeah. no, no. You
1: keep going and then I'll, I'll, at the end I have a feeling it's going to get worse before it gets better and my sentiment is going to be the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not going to like it. So they start comparing themselves to Ted Bundy, the Hillside Strangler, but they're calling them amateurs. Oh my god. They believe that they're smarter, that they won't get caught. Oh my god. And then go ahead with your statement before I continue on with what's in the video. Oh god, I don't know. My hands were over my mouth because I was
1: like, this is so horrific. And the only thing I can think to say is to quote the nun headmistress on Dairy Girls, who said, and I quote, sweet supper in Jehovah. Like, yeah. oh my god! And also, the arrogance of these teenage boys. Oh, the god, arrogance yeah. of these teenage boys. Ted Bundy and the Hillside Strangler are they, they think they're Yeah. Yeah! They're juiced and proud in comparing
0: themselves to other serial killers. And that implies... I'd like to note, this is six days after the murder. When this tape... That's how quickly they were caught.
1: Huh. Okay, so... Yeah, I, I get... I figure that, that tracks. Because um, they're, like, 16, 17. Um, hmm But uh, it just... It, it begs the question, if they're comparing themselves to these serial killers and saying how much better they are, and they've only killed one person... It, it begs the question, like, how many more people were you planning to kill?
0: Oh, we'll get there.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: Here we go. I'm strapped in. We know some a little bit about that. Okay, I'm strapped in. Well, the, the video continues. That, that's not the end okay. of it. They have more to say. It then cuts to them being in the car later, after killing Cassie. They're clearly running on adrenaline. They say they can't believe what they just did. But it's definitely not out of remorse. It's out of excitement. Uh, it's hard to watch. I, I've seen the video. Uh, um, I, I've seen just like very short snippets of each of those parts I've talked about. I, I don't know if there's other things in between there or that's just how it, it was cut. Uh, uh, but it's, it's very hard to watch. That is incredible. It-
1: you could be sixteen, seventeen, 17, and this excited about murdering someone who you knew, I mean, maybe only tangentially, it's your guy friend's girlfriend, but you know this person, like.
0: Yeah. Pocatello, Idaho is not a big town. So if you're going to school with somebody, you know them fairly well. You might not be friends. You might not hang out a whole lot outside of school. Yeah. But clearly she's dating one of your best friends. Yeah, you're probably around her. Someone who slept over at your house the night after the murder. Yeah. Like, that's what blows my mind. Your the friend? The after the murder, Tori had Matt over to spore a sleepover. Oh, my
1: God. And after just, like, murdering your friend's girlfriend. And I, I hope, I hope mm-hmm. that he wasn't involved in any way. I don't know if any light will be shed on that soon.
0: But, um, well, I can tell you that he wasn't, um, okay. at all.
1: Okay, well, he had then, no idea. Well, then that's horrible that you would know your friend, presumably enough that he's maybe gone through a lot of deaths, and you would bring this to him again. That's horrible.
0: That's horrible. One of the, the big questions I have, which has not fully been addressed, but a lot of people have made assumptions. If Matt didn't call his mom, yeah, he probably would have been a victim. What would have happened? It's believed that one of the breakers they shut off actually controlled the phone. Oh, so they wouldn't have been able to call out. And this is two thousand six. I think right. Matt had a cell phone. Maybe his mom had a cell phone because he did call Tori right after leaving. Half yeah, his place. yeah, in the. I don't know if that I'm assuming that was in the car mm-hmm. I didn't get a, a full definition on that but it made sense to me w- that he called Tori leaving to kind of see what he was up to to maybe then go hang out with him and his mom would drop him off right. that's, that's my assumption reading everything right, right. makes sense so he, he maybe she had a cell phone and mm-hmm. he didn't yeah that's about the age I got my first cell phone I was 16 my parents got it for me driving right
1: yeah, once you're driving,
0: it's. Uh, I, my sister got hers when she was 18. <laughs> I I it's see a why. Years beforehand. I see why once you're driving, it's like sure you would have a cell phone. Yeah, I got I got my cell phone on my 16th birthday for that. Only, that's the exact reason I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the time frame when it's like I I was one of the first of my friends to get a cell phone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like not everyone had it in their pocket at that point. No. No, not yet. Not yet.
1: Because I, you know, we're both fairly close in age. And so I'm also close in age to Cassie. And in 2006, I would have been in high school. And that would have been right around the time that I was turning uh, 15, 16. And once my parents had me in the car, they were like, okay, you need the phone. But I also had a lot of extracurricular stuff. That required stuff just like he had to do. I had to call my mom and ask her to come pick me up. And, you know, if there were anything I wanted to do after
0: that, I would need to make those plans in the interim so she could drop me off. Exactly. Yep. I was in the same boat. So, uh, obviously, this is enough to charge them both with first-degree murder. Yeah. It was clearly planned. Mm -hmm. They they said it on a videotape hours before the murder that they were going to murder. Yeah. And they were tried separately. Mm. They did not want to do a joint trial just in case of anything, which right. is very smart. Yeah. Just, just in case yeah. Brian was able to really pawn all of it off on Tori, yeah. they, they, they separated them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they both did receive life in prison without the possibility of parole for first-degree murder. Yes. They also received 30 years to life for the conspiracy to commit murder. So guilty of both. They are. They absolutely are. So guilty. And, and during the trial, they discovered that they both loved horror and slasher movies. <sighs> they were fascinated with serial killers and specifically the Columbine shooters. Okay. And they had a kill list. Oh, OK. They also had plans to kill people on multiple different occasions. But their plans were always foiled for some reason or another. But they had shown up at different places on different occasions with the full intention of killing uh-huh. somebody. That day. Ready to do it. Yeah. And something always got in the way. Yeah.
1: They showed up ready mm-hmm. to do it.
0: That is... Oh my God. 16, 17. I can't believe this. Yeah. They both tried multiple times to get their sentences changed because they were so young. But each time, they've been denied. I don't feel badly for them. <laughs> like, I don't either. And I read some things, and I didn't really put it in my, my notes or anything, but I did read some things that really talked about Brian having a lot of remorse, mm-hmm. and really trying to change his life in prison, and becoming a model prisoner, and taking college courses, and doing that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. While Tori Doesn't do any of that. That doesn't shock me, really.
1: Nope, I agree. Really, it doesn't shock me the way it shook out with those two. That's what it always sounded like. Like this guy was trying to pin it all on it on him when he it was he was really the brains of the operation. It seems like I don't know. I think they're both as guilty as the other.
0: Well, they they were they both were equally guilty in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Um, but I do believe Tori was the, the true mastermind mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. And Brian has equal gifts. Right. He did the exact same things. Right. He talked about it. They planned it together. Mm-hmm. But Brian was able to look back at how terrible of an idea it all yeah. was and realize that. And I don't think Tori
1: has. Right.
0: So Cassie's murder is often referred to as the Scream murder because Scream the movie was the main inspiration that they had behind her murder. Oh. Okay. So this brings up the conversation of movies and video mm-hmm. games creating killers. Mm-hmm. And I have some very strong feelings on this. Oh yeah. They in my opinion they do not. Create killers? Oh no, not in my opinion either. I am a huge fan of horror movies, especially the Scream franchise, one of my absolute favorites. I also love video games. I I don't believe they create killers. I don't either.
1: It's just you know, it falls under the same thing for me where when people are like, "Oh, well, you like true crime," oh, you're fascinated with serial killers what's up with you are you gonna do a murder and it's like no 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 it's just i'm interested and i'm educated on the matter and as far as entertainment goes because video games and movies are just pure entertainment so like Mm -hmm.
0: it's a a just a form of entertainment simple as that
1: yeah and the thing is i'm sure this is a headline that is like echoed through the centuries because like as I'm sure it was like books are causing killers in like the nineteen hundreds, you know, because everyone was learning how to read, you know? It's just right. it's just a new thing that's come out that they're like, oh, this is the new thing that's happening and creating killers. Like, no. I'm sure that before that it was books and women in pants and you know, like, no. That that doesn't create that doesn't Loving the movie Scream doesn't plan
0: a kill list for you. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. And, and I, like, I'd like to use myself an example from that. We've talked a lot about loving different movies and things in other episodes. We, we did the Hella Crafts episode and I talked a lot about watching Fargo and mm-hmm. all these movies as a young kid. Who, and in reality, I should not have been watching them as a kid. Like, my parents were very open when it came to that sort of stuff. They taught me and my sister that it's a movie, and that's yeah. it. And we never really questioned any of that. And that's why we had the ability to watch this stuff as kids. Right. And not get super upset. Like, I will say, Scream absolutely terrified me as a child. Uh-huh, because my sister did make me watch that. And I was... I think six or seven, so that that I shouldn't have been watching. But well, it also you can blame my sister for that one. We love you, Ash.
1: Um, but it also <laughs> goes to the example that you were young, you saw these movies, no. nothing happened Ooh, to you, yes. nothing ever. And they were young, you know. Yeah. And look what happened. So it's not. It's not a common
0: denominator. Well, that's another thing. Is like I, I can. I was saying earlier, I, I can relate to Cassie. Mm-hmm. You know what? In uh, without the whole murder plot, I can relate to these two guys as well because I was a movie buff in high school. I loved music. I loved movies. I was truly that nerd. <laughs> I, I was. I would sit at home in my basement and watch all of these creepy movies alone because I just loved that. Yeah. Well I would I remember while I would go in we had this video store. It was literally called the movie store. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, okay. I like it. Straightforward straight
0: business model. It's, that's Yep. Exactly. And I made friends with all of the people who worked there who were all in their, like, 20s at the mm-hmm. time, and I would just walk in, and they would hand me a stack of movies on a Friday night. I'd have no clue what they were, <laughs> but they would teach me the different movies that I had never seen before. They would just literally hand me a stack, and, like, they came in, you know, the very generic cases from the rental store. Mm-hmm. And I would open them up and be like, oh, this is what I'm watching. And I literally would have no idea. Yeah. That's, that's and a lot so of the times they were these like cult classic horror movies. Mm-hmm. But I've never had a plan to kill anybody. And I, I don't think that'll ever happen in my life. Right. I don't see that horse coming on the docket. Exactly. But one, one thing that I, I would like to point out with that as well is the people who do... Have the the it's the, nature versus nurture in reality is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the people who have that natural desire to kill somebody like these two boys mm-hmm. will seek out things like that in all likelihood. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. That's their choice to seek it out versus it causing them to become that person.
1: Right, because it's like what they're they're seeking it out because they want to see them reflected in this killer because they don't feel emotions or they feel violent or they feel and they want to see something where there's someone like them or you know and exactly and so naturally yeah i think the brain seeks that stuff out to find relatability and unfortunately you're looking for relatability in horror movie villains
0: which goes to
1: show that your brain is on backwards
0: yeah and it, it, it's purely psychological yeah. we have a desire as just humans we do have this adrenaline desire to be scared yeah at least many people Commonly. Yeah. not everyone but commonly that's very yeah. true and that's exactly why horror movies are successful yeah that one reason right and when there
1: you think about it like People do other things to simulate that fear, you know, like drag racing or, uh, you know, like it's just yeah, like bungee jumping, yeah, skydiving. All it's just watching a horror movie is so much more achievable, you know. All you have to do is mm-hmm. go pull one up, you know. So it it makes sense that
0: y- you naturally seek that out, and it's easy to obtain. <laughs> exactly. And I think this conversation has really changed in the last probably like ten years. I remember oh. when when we were kids, it was very much video games are yes, video games are going to create a violent yes. yes,
1: a violent uprising of our children. It was very
0: that was very much the narrative. Yeah, and I never played video games as a kid, I didn't Ever. Either. Like, well, we had like Super Nintendo yeah. and like. The early nineties. Yeah. Um but as an adult, I actually love video games.
1: My my little brother is a video game wizard. He I've never seen him pick up a game that he couldn't beat. And he is an, a fine upstanding young man, uh, and has never yeah done anything to be ashamed of, especially related to how good he is at video games. Yeah,
0: I I think that is the same exact thing where it's the people who will or want to commit crimes will seek out things where they can stimulate their crimes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a video game has that opportunity. Yeah. But it's the video game itself is not going to create that person. Mhm. Yeah. I totally agree. But then as you mentioned as well, there there's the popularity of true crime and I think that has Changed the narrative as well I agree it's become much more common for people to like true crime and talk about I it I
1: agree, yeah, especially in these last ten years or so
0: hmm but do you have any concluding comments on that Cause that's that's I the story of Cassie Joe stop I am just so sad
1: for cassie um she was so young, and I'm sure this is the kind of thing that must have just destroyed a family. And to know that your child's friend was the one who carried this out is horrible. Mm -hmm. And it must be horrible for her boyfriend, you know, uh, having to go down there and get questioned. And this whole time, his two friends know that they've done it. And don't intervene. It's so sad. And I'm so glad that she got some justice in court and they didn't mess around, even though they were young. Because 31 stabs with 12 that could have been fatal, that's not
0: anything to play around with. It's not. Yeah, and I had a lot of, I, I debated a lot when it came to talking about her boyfriend, whether I was going to use his real name mm-hmm. or not. Um, I watched a couple episodes of different true crime shows that talked about this case, mm-hmm. and some of them did use his name, some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I eventually made the decision to use it just because the only time that it wasn't used was in one or two different episodes but every news article and the other episodes I saw all did use his name so it's very wildly known if you've looked into this case yeah
1: and i i think there's something to be said for using his real name too because he is exonerated of all
0: this he had no part in it you know and he he had absolutely no part yeah. in it i just didn't want cuz i saw a couple articles like where is he now mm-hmm. and all the articles really just kind of said that he's kind of separated himself from all of this which is more I than fair. i was gonna say um, i bet and that was a, that was one of my debates where it's like should i tie him to this but the fact that his name is out there more than it's covered up mm-hmm. i i figured it just will make the most sense for anyone who knows a little bit about this case or wants to do further research on this case yeah. to, to see that um, but to know that he, he had absolutely nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. and that he should have the ability to live his life on his own, and not be reminded of this constantly, absolutely. I think that's something that's very important.
1: Yeah, yeah, he deserves a chance to, like like you said, move on and live his life, and do the best he can doing that, when his a couple of his friends tried
0: their damnedest to screw it up for him yeah it just it was my mind like this case is one that i i it's solved but i i think about this case quite a bit mm. you're like i hope
1: you are in there doing nothing but counting sit-ups yep. right now dude that's, right you
0: deserve that's it. that's it that's all i want for your days mm. nothing more yeah. uh, you you don't even like you can have less that's fine yeah. but uh nothing more than that well, thank you for listening to Have You Heard About This Case. You can find us on Instagram at Have You Heard About This Case Pod, or you can email uh, email us at have you heard about this case at gmail.com. Thank you, and we'll talk to you later. See you later.